following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. For the first time since Friday, <laughs> welcome to the game. Yeah. We got a full house today, boys and girls. Woot woot. Mitch Fort, what the hell is that? A woot? Who goes woot woot anymore? I thought it was cool. I thought you were almost going insane clown posse on us for a uh, second. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you find ICP over the weekend? First show <laughs> since Sunday. You guys have been lazy? Taking the, taking the Friday. Well, the thing, Monday, Memorial Day. Tuesday was like... There was only a 30-minute 30 30 minute gap, yeah. and um, so we're like, hey, let's just get a fresh start Wednesday. Full two hours, full house. Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale, David G. Sage Williams is across the glass running the show, and it's Wednesday. You know what that means? AEW Dynamite tonight. <laughs> oh. And, of course, next week is in Kansas City. Might have more on that next week. But, of course, that also means Derek Young from K-State Online is in the house, and D.Y., we're starting out with a commitment for Coach Tang for the first time in like 26 days. Well, you counted it out. It was, uh, I believe it was May 5th. Okay. So I, I was kind of ballparking the actual <laughs> amount of days, maybe 27, 26, something like that. Pretty good math. But um, David Gasson, the Virginia Tech transfer the 6'9 Ford has picked K-State. They are starting out hot today on the show with a commitment. Also, you guys haven't done a show since Friday. It's been two weeks for me because I think you did baseball last week. We had the Royals on mm-hmm. last Wednesday. Yeah, so uh, David Gasson, uh, number eight for the roster, so down to five spots left. A guy that has the size of a four. He's like 6'8", 6'9", which it seems like every player they add is like 6'8", <laughs> or 6'9". Yeah. They all play different positions, but they're all the same size. I think we're just going to have... The longest and you know tallest team in, in recent memory, I believe. But he plays like a three. Um, does hasn't shot the three ball a lot. I think he was three for fifteen from the three point line. So not the not great, but not I guess completely out of his realm to do that. But he plays like a three, in that he likes to live on the perimeter. He's more of a slasher than a shooter, but he also doesn't live in the paint. So kind of that in between type and uh yeah you got a lot of forwards now between him and naquan tomlin ishmael masood taj manning even gerald colbert's a big i guess so they'll just have to you know bolster the the guards the rest of the way yeah the uh the cat signal was released on sunday right (laughs) so we had to wait a few days after coach tang made the uh it's a great day to be a wildcat meme on twitter was it since that announcement, were we expecting David Gasson to be that guy, or was there anybody else on the radar that it could be? I, I think he's the only one that kind of crossed our minds, at least. I thought it was pretty open and shut case. Now they still have you know plenty of work to do. And you know in talking to people, I think they feel like they're closer to landing those last three or four players than it might seem at the moment. And, they, and I say three or four because – you know, if you read between the lines, I'm not sure they think that they're going to fill up all 13. 
Well, it was just a few days ago, right? Was it at your catbacker event in Kansas City that you went to where it's Coach my, Tang? My catbacker event. I like what you I put that baby on. The one on. that you threw Yeah, you put it yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You're the one that organized it. You had to move it to, the, to Sporting KC. Boy, that's a wow. surprise to the athletic department, isn't it? <laughs> I, t- I took on that undertaking. I moved it to, uh, the, yeah, put it in the Budweiser Brew House at Children's Mercy Park. It was it's a lot of work, but you nice. know, somebody's got to do it. Kind of reminds me, I, I kind of speak like the way my parents speak. I think we all are probably guilty of that. We, we we take up some of those things our parents say, but my parents always say, you have a game coming up or how'd your game go? Like talking right. about K-State baseball. Like, well, they beat KU, so that I, my game went quite well. It's just Thank playing you. shortstop. <laughs> I was more comfortable in right field, to be honest with you. Um now I forgot where I was even going. But, oh, no. Coach Tang, was it at that Catbackers event, though, he had mentioned that, you know, they would be they'd be feeling good if they got to 10? Yeah, or they might have been 11 or 12. I don't know if 10 was the exact thing. I think he mentioned something along those lines a few different times. Um, I think he said something in Topeka pretty similarly, in Emporia, maybe even Wichita. I think he was at those four. So we'll see what happens. I think they still could get to 13, don't get me wrong, but the fact that they were starting to welcome the idea of maybe 11 or 12 makes me think that they think it could at least be an uphill battle to get that many. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, I I was just talking to someone else about this. The Almost the way that they've assembled this roster, and they got a bunch of guys that have already, you know, a bunch of transfers, a bunch of guys will come back for not just this upcoming season, but the one after that. And in their kind of developmental guys in a way, even some of the transfers, they're almost built to compete more for 2023 than, say, 2022. And I know a lot of people won't want to hear that, but um, I think this year is going to be kind of like an experiment, to, you know, get the pieces together, see how it fits. And maybe by the end of the season, you're still competitive, don't get me wrong, but they seem like they've assembled this roster where it could be really good in 2023. Yeah, I, I... I've said it many times here on the show, you know, I, I, I look at the true battle in recruiting is in building the true roster, the Jerome Tang roster that he wants to brag about and how he has talked about and hyped up that, uh, well, we want these players that are four or five star type of guys. That is the future of K-State basketball. Maybe not right now, but look at 2023 and 24. Those are the true proving ground years of Jerome Tang saying, hey, I want to be here for a while with this kind of success. Well, and especially when you're put in a position that he was in which it was all but ground zero in terms of having a roster, period. Oh, to have as many guys hit the transfer portal and exit uh, and leave you with just two scholarship guys on your roster, uh, you, you at a point have to say, okay, we really are making that push more for 23, expectations for 2022. Yeah, we have ideas of where we want to go, but it's not going to be anywhere near where we want to build this thing to. To be fair, I think he wanted those. In, in, well, and that plays a role too. That I think speaks to the confidence that he had uh, in in recruiting, and maybe it hasn't fully panned out just yet. But you know, we'll we'll get a glimpse anyway of of what we have here coming in in relatively short order. Hard to believe we're already looking at, I think the at August in front of us. I think the only player they wanted that left was probably Nigel. Mm-hmm. He said, three, I felt like three players could help us win. Oh, yeah. That was his quote. 
And, and he probably would have thought that about Mark Smith, but obviously his eligibility had expired as well. So, but those three players, you can imagine it's, you know, Noel ish, Nigel. And I don't think he's saying anything glowing about anyone else. Well, and if it was, if he was only accepting commitments from guys that have scored, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15 points, maybe even 20 points a game, and they have multiple years of eligibility remaining, you're not going to fill up a roster. Right. Uh, now, the type of guys that he has been getting, they do have the possibility of being some good players. You wouldn't maybe say like, oh, that that's a day one starter. That is a marquee guy on your roster. Those haven't happened yet. But more on David Gasson. He's played 57 games at Virginia Tech, 6'9 forward. He hasn't started a game. He's been averaging 12 minutes and scoring three points and grabbing three rebounds. Terrible free throw shooter, but he's 51% from the field. I think on a guy like that, and we've seen others already join the roster, do a little bit of digger. I'm doing it again. Deeper digging. <laughs> I had to stop myself. <laughs> And figure out, well, why has he been limiting, had been these limited minutes? Well, the two best players for Virginia Tech are playing at his position. Mm-hmm. And he's the younger of them. I mean, you're, these are two upperclassmen that he's been playing behind that averaged the most points, averaged the most minutes, grabbed the most rebounds. It's been two guys that have been playing at his position. Maybe that's what's been holding him back mostly. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Another good way to look at it, too, is you know what was the top competitor for Kansas State to getting him? Virginia Tech. They wanted him back. They they had been trying up yeah. until the last hour. And for a team to absolutely know everything about him and want him to come back like crazy, I guess you could see that and draw that as a positive sign too. Because, I mean, Kansas State, they lost how many players and they only won one of those that left. So Virginia Tech wanting Gasson back, I think you can draw some pop- positives from that. And for those that maybe – thinking I was a little bit harsh at saying he's a terrible free throw shooter. I mean, 48.7%. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Shaquille-esque. It could be a lot better. You know what? I'm cool with Marquise Noel just playing the entire game and having four giant dudes around him. That works for me. what they have going, it feels like, between Tomlin and Colbert and Manning and Masood and now Gasson. It's just there's a bunch of giants in in the – the tiniest player in college basketball, perhaps, right? That's awesome. Well. So Let's do it. The dichotomy there, <laughs> the dynamics there are pretty pretty funny to consider. I will say this. There is two players that they've already added that I think we could be overlooking from, from a standpoint is that they have the potential to, I think, be marquee players sooner rather than later and probably quicker than anyone's giving credit for. I think one's Cam Carter, transfer from Mississippi State. I think he has a tr- chance to be more impactful sooner than we are led to believe at this point, even though maybe past production, which is only one year in Starkville, didn't ne- necessarily give us the evidence that that was definitely going to be the case. And then Naquan Tomlin, but he's a, he's a freak show you know, athlete from the junior college level, and he could shoot. So um, he's an intriguing uh, weapon as well. I really like those two. I think and they're probably going to play more than they thought they were initially anyway. It was funny that you brought it up earlier in the segment about how, you know, Coach Tang has all these guys that are tall, but they they play all over the place. They're all different kinds of posi- uh, posi- positions. Naquan Tomlin is that example because that was kind of the, the 
the comedy of this recruiting class so far, and that is, well, this guy is what six nine, six eight, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. Best athlete on the team, but now. he's he's listed as a shooting guard. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the world? What <laughs> we we got to figure out what position did this guy actually play? Well, if you watch his film, he he does a lot of spot up shooting, but he's not afraid to drive as well. It just kind of takes what the defense gives him, but he's. He loves to take the jump shot. Yeah, he likes the corner, or not the corner, but the wing three pointers. Yeah, he's a shooter, uh, more than a shooter than you would lead to believe or would be led to believe. They just they have a lot of those guys that kind of, you know, take up that profile. Um, maybe not all the kind of shooter that he is, but uh, all that length, that height, really that weight. They all look pretty similar. And I would say this because of that, they have like what four or five dudes that can pretty much guard any position on the floor. That's uh, defensively, they're going to be very, very good right away. The the question will be on the offensive end. I love the idea that they're creating a roster that's going to make people uncomfortable. And like Tomlin's one of those guys we kind of talked about. You watch his film and he's really aggressive. He does not shy away from contact. He doesn't shy away from getting right in your face. And he, I love that. He takes gambles. Yes, he yes. does. And one of my favorite, uh, my one of my favorite highlights of his is when he missed a dunk, <laughs> and a dude rebounded it, and he just he already comfortably rebounded the basketball. Tomlin just goes up to him and rips it away and just puts it back in. Yes, that yes. that was that was kind of funny just watching it break down like that. But he like he took offense that he missed that dunk. <laughs> he felt. Like he shouldn't never miss that kind of shot, right? And he went back and got his uh, his rebound. He stole it and then got the uh, put back. So if he can keep that confidence in the Big Twelve, like look out because this guy, he seems like he he like Derek said he could be a, a superstar. He's good. So by my count now, K State has three guards and five forwards. Yeah, is that about right? Say like three guards, four forwards, one center maybe, and a center. Yes, Drew Colbert. Yes. LSU transfer. Yes. I mean, he could probably play the four, too, to be honest. He's, what, he's 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, yeah, so. a little bit more athletic than just that big body center. We, we need like to get a 7'7 seven, seven guy. That's the only piece missing. It's just the like a George Mirasan massive person. John Bradley. Turning yes. into your typical uh, Kentucky lineup. Yes. They have guards that are 6'8". Just so much bigger than everybody. I love it. By the way, uh, David Gasson from the Netherlands. Oh. Delir, the Netherlands. I'm sure Tom Gilbert is doing the uh, research right now to figure out if we ever had a player from the Netherlands <laughs> before. I would imagine not. I can't think of any basketball players from the Netherlands that became big. Um, Troy would be the one to figure this out. Detlef Schrempf. Well, but he was not from K-State. I was going to say. <laughs> was he from the Netherlands? <laughs> no, nah, probably not. I think he's German. Yep. <laughs> the Netherlands, no. They don't produce basketball, but this will be the first. Yeah, oh, I, I doubt he's the first basketball player ever from the Netherlands. Maybe he is. Uh, for K State, though. Okay, for sure. I, I would imagine That's a so. Soccer country, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to a World Cup final not too long ago, like twelve years ago. Yeah, the, the, who did they lose to? I remember that one. France. Yeah, yeah that might have been it. They also I thought they dominate the Winter Olympics too, probably. Or is the, I'm thinking Norway. I don't know. I'm thinking Norway. You're yeah, thinking yeah, Norway. Norway's so good at the Winter Olympics. Everything. They're like, we just do this every day. That's not in a competition. I don't the doesn't the U.S. soccer team have a guy from the Netherlands? He's like really good. Perhaps they have a lot of dual citizens. Yeah, now. I think they They're got a pick guy in the United States. Yeah, Rick no- Smiths from the Netherlands. No way, Rick Smiths. Mm-hmm. Also not K State. Oh no, no. valid point. I'm just pointing Dominant. out. So. 
wouldn't De La Shrimp, the Indiana Pacers, right? Yeah. So the Indiana Pacers Sonics. just recruit from the Netherlands? So, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. De La Shrimp was German. Rick Smits being from the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, you know. And they, Dale Davis also yeah. from Holland. So <laughs> keep trying. And Denmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we come Mark back, Jackson was on that. Team. Yeah. When we come back, let's get into a little K State football. As uh, Dy had a chance to speak with K State quarterback Adrian Martinez, and a few quotes from that interview when it tad bit global. That's up next. Now is this a sage? Bed? No. It's, it's Stevens. What? Big Steve. That's actually the last person I would expect to put a Def Lep I, bed I, in there. Yeah, something from the 80s in yeah. Stevens mix? What the world? Esteban Grande with a Def Lep. I like it, man. Was, Maybe he's uh, changing his tune. I was hoping for Danger Zone. Well, Whoa. that might be coming up later oh. in this segment, or not this segment, but this hour, because Sam Honeybuns will have his movie review of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, boy. Might as well open it up with some Kenny Loggins. I know D.Y. has seen it, so maybe we'll get his review a little bit later on as well. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, there I mean, it is. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but it was great. I would recommend it. 10 out of 10. All the stuff that I've seen like in trailers of just the jet stuff looks amazing. Well, they, I mean, I, I can't think of one part of the movie, whether it's the action, the dialogue, uh, how they brought it back, the nostalgia of the first movie that they really messed up. Wow. Paul has been saying I need to see it in IMAX. That's what I did last night. Yeah? yeah? Here in town? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do it. Might have to do it. Do it. Maybe uh, Maybe tomorrow. It, it, it beats what my wife did on her vacation in terms of movies watched. Mannequin. No, Down, in theater. Downtown oh, in theater. Abbey. Oh, Downton Abbey. Yeah. Oh. Did you say Downtown Abbey? That was my issue early <laughs> on. I got Downtown Abbey. What are you going to do? Watch your Downtown Abbey? That's a whole different movie, by uh, the way. But- hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Now we're feeling it, baby. All right. Yeah. Did we wake up, boys and girls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sage didn't find that funny. I think no. she's busy playing the Tetris on Listen, the phone. Probably not even listening to She's you. zoned out this show from day one. Let's be honest, dude. We're in here by ourselves. That was funny. You know what? I'm I think it's. paid to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's true. It's true. She knows. You know who's somebody who has checked in? Adrian Martinez. Yeah. And he was on. Uh, Nebraska the KC, <laughs> yeah, KC Sports Network, and uh, talking to Dy, also John Kurtz, and also Cole Manbeck. They do. They're not as good. Not as good. <laughs> I believe it. But uh, he actually maybe uh, stirred up some folks up north about his comments about being now here at K State compared to his previous years with Scott Frost in Nebraska. Now I, I'm gonna leave it to you to kind of tell us the details because. Sorry, John Cole, D.Y. I haven't watched slash heard the podcast yet. I will the get podcast? to it. I, I promise. I, I correct myself. I'm a little slippy on the words sometimes. What is? Are, did you have a couple of drinks before? <laughs> what's going on? What's a podcast? Yeah. Am, am I showing it off? Like, what's weird. The podcast. Oh, my. Wow. Go in there. Shirtless with some oil on. This is the podcast. There's got to be one of those already. Oh, wow. 
Probably, probably talking AEW wrestling, and then you're set. I was waiting for some stereotypes. Just, oh, they're on steroids, showing off their bods, oiled well, up. I was going well, to you're halfway Top there. Gun back into yeah, somehow we were going to bring it right back to Top Gun 2. The Bodcast. Brought to you by... Steroids. Steroids. Uh, I was going to say bod. I was going to say bod. Uh, you bod remember the bod? Spray. The spray. Oh, the spray. Is that still around? I don't think so. Is it like so. Axe? Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say it got axed. Oh, Why can't, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. This is... See, see, she does listen. She does listen. Hey, go to commercial right now. Sam. I'm going to turn this AC up because it's getting hot in here. That's the dad joke. I was going to say they got axed. Oh, my God. The dad joke hour. Anyways, Adrian Martinez fired up those Nebraska fans. Yes, he did. Get this thing back between the lanes Ooh. here. Here we go. Okay. Long story short, and I guess it's not that long of a story, he said this is probably his most talented team he's been a part of. And Nebraska fans did not take too kindly of that, which I don't know why. They haven't made a bowl game since December of 2016. And if you do think you're that talented – then why are you keeping the same coaching staff that can't win more than four games? And I let, let me let me say this about what he, hmm. he here was. I bet this is his biggest issue with the Nebraska offense. The offensive line was awful. There was a good thing he was a mobile quarterback. He still broke his jaw. Yeah. Well, and he also, and I here's the deal. I saw an ESPN article like earlier today, like they all 131 quarterbacks, FBS, and like they put them in a category like Heisman or bust or these need to stay healthy. I'm surprised Adrian Martinez didn't wind up in the if they stay healthy category. But it's like you probably haven't heard about it, but they're still pretty solid list. That's where he ended up, which is a good cons. That's a good place to be. But yes, he is going to be healthy, of course, by the time the season rolls around. But I bet his big issue at Nebraska was that offensive line, just awful. And it was consistently awful so far through the Scott Frost era. He tore his labrum after the 10th game, I think, 10th or 11th game, and that's why he was not available for spring ball. But if you, if anyone wants to listen to that podcast, he also talks about a prior injury. I think it was the fourth game of the year. I think they were playing Michigan State in the middle of the game. He got hit in the head. Pretty good, pretty good lick from a Michigan State defender. And he said his his face just caught on fire. That's what it felt like, just caught on fire. He went to the training room, and they were basically asking him for – he, he kind of said it like this. They were trying to get his paperwork. He's like, I'm trying to get through here, like trying to get in and out fast. And the Michigan State trainer is like asking for all my medical information of like history when I was like 10 years old. He's like, I feel like th- we shouldn't be doing this right now. <laughs> so he goes in and out. He plays the rest of the game. Well, thinking MRI later – some kind of expert he found out he broke his jaw and he said either you have to have surgery or you have to wire this baby shut. Well, he said if I have surgery, it's season ending. If I wire it shut, I'm a quarterback. I can't audible. I can't mm-hmm. talk. I feel like I got to talk if I'm a quarterback. So he said they just did a uh, creative thing where he just rubber band it a little bit and to where it would only open slightly or whatever. Like he had braces on, like the rubber band, the. Kind for of, braces. Yeah, I think it was something like that. So he did that for like the last seven. 
unbelievable. So that is bonkers. That is nuts. Not fully wired, but limiting. Yeah, but they also didn't want it out to the media because they didn't want other teens to know he was like, yeah. you become a target at that point. Welcome so to like, Nebraska. You know, so like when he went to the media, he would talk, but he wouldn't open his mouth a whole lot when he wouldn't have the rubber bands in. Oh, wow. Like, if one guy, of those rubber bands, insane. if one of those rubber band busts, all of a sudden that, that chomper is lopsided. <laughs> what is his problem? Oh, my God. So did they ever go through and wire his jaw at all? I forget if what they decided to do afterward. I'm sure. But I, I guess oh. we didn't get the final conclusion what happened after the season. Tough guy. Man, that is wild to, to keep kid. it hidden like that. Wow. I'd be scared. Like, if you take one shot, like, just, like, underneath the, the, mm-hmm. the face mask or something slaps you. Oh, I, I'd imagine that's got to be pretty painful to get hit in a broken jaw like that. Yeah. And not only right then, but when you wake up the next day, that's got oh, to feel I, horrible. Or when you're just, like, screaming out the signals yeah. at the line of scrimmage yeah. the rest of the season. I mean, you know, just and that's probably just one anecdote, right? This is probably a guy that's been through this kind of stuff for the, his entire career. Now I'm, like, you know, hearing that sort of, like, no wonder his teammates are like him. <laughs> Wow, man! I need to do. I need to get in contact with Ryan Lackey so we could maybe do like a follow up interview. <laughs> like I'll listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll just kind of fill in some blanks, maybe because I know you guys were limited. Yeah. But you know what? I'll, I'll turn in this whole show into the Adrian Martinez jaw dropping <laughs> power hour and see what exactly like. Mm-hmm. How did you hide this jawbreaker? What did it feel like if he got tapped in the old chopper? And what do you think about Scott Frost? Go ahead and give me your hottest take, because we're trying to go, you know what I'm saying? Up at the stratosphere. <laughs> Did you still brush your teeth twice a day? <laughs> oh, jeez. And do you still think Scott Frost is a terrible play caller? Go ahead, Adrian. Answer it. Oh, yeah. Let's bring him on. Do you think they'll be better on offense with Casey Thompson at quarterback or Chuppa Purdy? I don't know. I mean, those guys. Not Casey Thompson. Those guys can't move as well either, right? They probably heard that. Um, well, I've never. I was. Jaw story. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, oh, God. What did I do? He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. They're going to make me hide my injuries? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that. Oh. I, I, I was never a Casey Thompson fan of Texas. So it's not like I'm going to be optimistic about success with him. Um, I don't know, we don't know anything about Chubba Purdy. No. Florida State. If Scott Frost, here's the deal. I want Scott Frost to just be good enough to where he stays the head coach. Just good enough. Like maybe if it, if if we have to give up one like six and six year, and then they go right back down to three and, and nine. Will do it. I don't think it would. Well, it would not, be a better than what they have. Right, but I don't think six and six keeps him his job. And I don't know if anyone is willing to give them more than six. Well, this past year, no. let him keep his job. I mean, I think there's a little bit of wiggle he room. He also lost a lot of money. And he's in a position now where it's Trev Alberts who's overseeing the department. And I remember him as a ESPN college football yeah. analyst. Mm-hmm. Was that the 90s? That was the 90s. Or early Player. 2000s, early 2000s, I think, because he hated that I was a fan at the time. But. He, Ohio State made the national title in 2002. Mm-hmm. He absolutely hated them. Mm-hmm. And I remember him. He was on ESPN still at the time in 2002. So it's just weird to think now he's the Nebraska athletics director. What he did at Omaha uh, with their programs was stellar, save for the fact that he cut Got football. rid of football. I was going to say. And what, wrestling. What he did was great. He got rid of the football program. Hey, <laughs> do it in Lincoln, too. Oh, Maybe that's the solution. 
he, he recognized, though, a situation, and, and in all honesty, that was going to be a program that was going to have to probably be sacrificed if they wanted to make the moves they wanted to make in Division One. Also, the Omaha mascot, Mavericks. Right. Ooh, yes. Top Gun, mm-hmm. right back to Boy. <laughs> yeah, baby. The Gooses? We just find ways to tie things in, don't we? Yeah, baby. Same honey bun's got He's coming up. You know, I think for Nebraska fans, last year, the game that really keeps them around is that Oklahoma game. I don't know if you watched that game at all, but they played with them for three quarters at least. They did that four quarters against Ohio State. Yeah, right? Ohio State. Forgot about that one. And that's one of those alluring, like, see, see, we're right there with those guys. We're right there. And then they go the next week, they go to Michigan State and gets their quarterback's jaw broken, and then they, they lose 35 to 2. And they're back at it. it I, the situation they find themselves in, I am so thrilled. Well, I enjoy <laughs> the treading water Me in Nebraska. Too. I'm so happy. Way it's, over the, it's what funny. I experienced in the 90s. We're like, is 6 and 6 going to keep them around? They fired a nine and three Frank Solich. They're like, that's not good and enough Bo for Pellini. us. And, and Bo Pellini. But he, he same record, out. right? But Bo Pellini was a very mean guy. Yeah, and Bo, he Bo Pellini greased his own skids out the door. Yeah, yeah. If you were an alum, it didn't matter. He was going to tell you where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take our next break, and when we come back, you know there's another Wildcat that uh, committed, but that was last week, and it is with football. And that's coming up next here on The Game. Please tell me this is a big Steve bed. Okay, look, this is my favorite group of all time. What are they called? So they're called Oh Wonder. They are a British pop duo. They are amazing. And I just decided to put throw one in. You know, why not? Mix it up a little bit. You do you. Okay. The Vanderwests. Joseph uh, Josephine and Anthony Vanderwest. Yes, they are married. From London. Hmm. And they're going to be in Copenhagen, Denmark later on this month. Let's go. I heard yeah. the piano and immediately felt like it was the Christmas time uh, Ch- Charlie Brown music. <laughs> it does sound similar. <laughs> does it? It does. It, it did at the front anyway. It, the front. it feels like coffee house music. There you go. We're back with Derek Young from Case in a Line. Also, Mitch Troy, DG, and Sajay is along with us for the ride. Let's continue on with talking some recruiting. Got a commitment last week at linebacker for K-State. One, I was – UDY are very confident in him coming in. I was, I'm a fan of his from Tyler Community College. He was like fifth last year at the JUCO ranks in total sacks in Gavin Forsha. But he also becomes a third player from Tyler Community College to join up with the Cats. Um, out of the recent additions, especially from the JUCO ranks, other than probably Anthony Frias, I would say Gavin Forsha is my second favorite in that group, but what do you think about it? I mean, it's a good recruiting win um, in terms of, you know, who they went head-to-head for him. Maybe Lincoln Riley in USC. They had him in for an official visit to Los Angeles the weekend or about nine days after he visited Manhattan on an official visit. So it wasn't like USC was like, eh, we didn't try really hard. No, they brought him in on an official visit. He was there last, and he still picked Kansas State, kind of assigned of that they're kind of turning the corner on the recruiting trail. It's really felt that way for a few months at this point because, remember, 
they've been struggling with in-state kids that had Power 5 offers, you know, anywhere, and then they wouldn't beat out, you know, what, almost 10 Power 5 schools for Willie Ancio, uh, the tight end from Capen, and uh, then defeated Iowa State and KU for Wichita Collegiate defensive back Wesley Fair, and then you continue that. You go in, you defeat Florida State, West Virginia, Washington, Auburn, and all these kinds of schools for Juco corner Jordan Wright. So it to me, it's just a, kind of a sign and more evidence that they've kind of found their stride in the recruiting trail, and that bodes well for what could be a pretty big June um, for them. Obviously, today's the first day of June. They're going to have all of their top targets on campus probably, at least most of them this month, um, specifically Avery Johnson. He'd like to close on that one, of course. So I think you can just take the information, you know, the wins and – Hope that it keeps translating. Maybe they found you know something that works recruiting wise, and then hope it continues elsewhere because they have some other guys they really need to close on. That was the 2022 class. Need to you know continue what they were doing in 23 after NCO and and after Fair. But in terms of favorites, I mean Free as it was a big need in a running back, so I can see why that would be a, you know what a lot of people like, especially with his style. I guess he's more of that short, squatty, powerful type of runner um, that will really, you know, be able to run, you would hope, be able to run through tackles. I think he offers a different dimension than what you already have in Deuce. So that might have been, you can argue that was one of their bigger needs. Safety's a pretty big need too, and they, they filled that up from just how good they're going to be. The best that they landed, I think, for this, you know, current roster in the last month or two, I think might have been that corner, Jordan Wright. Why Jordan Wright? Why does he stand out to you? Well, just talking to the people that I really trust, too. Mm-hmm. They they just love what he's going to be able to do in Manhattan and think he was probably one of the better gems that they picked up on. I mean, they, he, he had Kansas State offered first, I think, amongst the Power 5 schools, and then three others offered right before they got him out on an official visit. One of those was Florida State. He went to Tallahassee finished that official visit before he flew home from Tallahassee. He called Kansas State up and said, hey, I'm committing. So he committed to Kansas State while still on the Florida State campus, technically. So another really good recruiting win that was as well. And then just, you know, watching his tape, he can really lock up. And it's going to be important to have another cornerback that can step in and contribute because he lost T. Denson, you lost Justin Gardner. That was a need. It's also a need for 2023 because, let's be honest, if Julius Brent and Echo Boydo do what we think they can do and do what they need to do to have a really good season, and I think a lot of us think Kansas State can be pretty pretty good in football this year, they might be there last year in Manhattan too. They're, they're going to have options after this season. Now the Gavin Forsha stories have been interesting because of the prediction right now of how much he might be able to do for you right away. I think there's, you'll certainly see him on the field, but at the very least – I mean, that guy is going to be a big help on special teams. I don't know if you've seen any of his film lately, but I was watching a lot of film on him and his special teams. I mean, that is a guy that runs down the field and he will smack you in the mouth. That is going to be a great addition for K-State. Uh, I would imagine they will certainly put him on special teams. We've seen like Nick Allen in the past play special yeah. teams, and it was also, of course, in the linebacker position as he's been able to play more at that position this last season. I think uh, I think Forshaw probably split duties at the same linebacker spot. At least split, maybe back up, maybe start. We'll see. I mean, it'll probably be a battle in fall camp. But I think that Sam linebacker, which was basically what Reggie Stubblefield played last year, even though he's not linebacker size, he basically played same linebacker. I think it's going to be Gavin Forsha. And the guy that just moved there, right, 
what was it halfway through spring bowl and Sean Robinson, the transfer from Missouri? Well, if there's uh, anybody like Reggie Stubblefield that could play that same linebacker position and be able to meet a uh, ball carrier downhill and go smack a guy, Reggie Stubblefield was certainly that guy, and Gavin Forsha, from what I've seen on film, is certainly somebody who could do that as well. Now, we mentioned Anthony Free as a running back who's going to be backing up Deuce Vaughn this upcoming season, we most likely assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a celebration like I had than what I saw on Twitter. Was it yesterday, maybe the day before, where Anthony Frias did retweet it? His whole family had a big get-together. They put flags in their trucks. Yeah, I don't need, think it was a celebration. I think he was leaving California to come to Kansas State to move in. His whole family had this big gathering. Yep. And I first, I, I was just scrolling through Twitter, and I saw the flags in the back of the truck pop up, and I thought, right away it was maybe something political and i was just going to ignore it but i was like oh it's k-state flags oh it's the freya's family yeah the, yeah you're right it must have you're i didn't know if it was or not but yeah if it was a, a going away party they probably did it the right way and they all had k-state purple on yeah i mean that I, was super cool that, i think that's exactly what it was it sounded like they were bringing everyone across the country to move them in too I don't, <laughs> There, there was probably what like at like fifty people. It looked like they were in a park. I think I yeah. saw a picture. Yeah, that was really cool. That was really cool to see. Now you mentioned um, Avery Johnson as well, the Mace twenty twenty three quarterback, four star kid. Who's that? Yeah, yeah right. Along with Dylan Edwards, who are those two yeah, guys? Do never, we do I've we never, really I, want them? I don't know. I never get asked about those two. Well, I was going to ask though. It it's been out there for a while now that he wants to make his decision late this month. I think it's he's still and he's acting like it too because he just scheduled two more official visits. So I think he's going to take three this month. He's booked three. He's going to Washington this weekend, Kansas State the weekend after that, then the Oregon one that's been playing for June seventeenth that weekend. And the fact that he didn't really, because I think Kansas State they probably would have rather be at the end of the month, you know, get that last swing. I don't think it's a problem that they got it. Bef- they're in there before Oregon. But the way that Johnson like maneuvered that, I think it's just because he wants to get it out of the way. Remember, he he's in the Elite 11 Finals. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty prestigious event. He's probably taking it serious. I doubt he even wanted to visit anywhere that weekend of June 24th because then he flies to L.A. June 28th. I'm guessing he wanted to clear those last you know, handful of days before he goes out there and probably competes what he considers one of the biggest individual accomplishments that he's ever going to do, at least at the high school level. So it Everything that he's done, everything that he has said, I'm still under the impression we're going to know where he's going to college at some point this month. And I know the next question is, I still feel like it's K-State. There you hear it. D.Y. making the prediction. And like you said, before he, from what I had heard, he wants to make the decision before he goes to Elite 11 in Los Angeles, which would be uh, yeah towards the end of this month. In, uh, in late June. It is now June 1st. How about that? And now for Dylan Edwards, I have no idea. Don't ask me that one. That, that's, that's a lot more unpredictable. And he'll be at Oklahoma this weekend. I, I, I was going to say, he's definitely taking a full complement of his opportunities to visit. Yeah, and I think he wants to visit Jackson State, maybe Oregon as well. We'll see. Will he be back at K-State again? Probably. Um, now, I wouldn't be shocked if you know Oklahoma's puts on the, the full-court press and says, come in, come in, we want you, then maybe he jumps at it. I'm just not under the impression that that's necessarily the case yet. So, again, his recruitment, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Anyone listening's guess is as good as mine. That one is unpredictable. 
All right, before we get to Sam Honeybuns in his movie review, I did see Dean Wade on Twitter earlier today. Pretty good. He said he is um, he is getting into soccer, and he was looking for recommendations on who to root for. So I thought nobody better than to ask right here in studio, Derek Young from K-State Online, on some rooting recommendations. Was he thinking domestic or foreign? Well, I was thinking maybe give – obviously, domestic, I would – Point my finger towards Sporting Kansas City I'm a Chelsea and Casey guy. Current. I'm a Chelsea guy for international, so the Premier League. See, internationally, I tend to root for Liverpool, which, of course, they just finished second in the Premier League. And second in the Champions League. And, cha- and second, and second in the Champions League. Yeah, Real Madrid, shout out to those bozos for taking first place. <laughs> Liverpool's the best loser in everything they do right now. <laughs> well, hey, they did win. They did win the Premier League last year, uh, two years ago. Two years ago. No, City's won it the last two years. Yes, this 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 year, last year, and then two oh. years ago, Liverpool. But I know Man City has won for the last five. So And they just got the best player in the world. Yeah, so Dean, if you do want like a bandwagon to jump on, Man City is a pretty good one. <laughs> they are kind of winning these days. Ever since 2012, and they made that incredible comeback against, who was it? Was it the uh, Park Rangers or whatever? And they won the Premier League, and it was like the improbable comeback. Yeah, all of a sudden they've been like top of the mountain. All right, here we go. It's the moment you've maybe been looking forward to. <laughs> yes. Uh, because you may have already went to watch the movie, and you don't need a review. It's kind of hot right now. Sam Honeybuns this past weekend went to watch Top Gun Maverick, one of the most anticipated movies for actually a couple of years because it's been delayed because of the pandemic. So here we go. Sam Honeybuns, his movie review of Top Gun Maverick. Welcome to the Micro Movie Minute with me, Sam Honey. Today we're taking a look at Top Gun Maverick. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. A sequel to the 1986 Air Force commercial, Top Gun Maverick follows Navy pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell 30 years after the first film. He is tasked with teaching a new generation of Top Gun pilots to take on a dangerous and vital mission. Is Top Gun Maverick the literal second coming of Christ Twitter is making it out to be, or does it crash on landing? Let's be clear right off the bat. I am not a fan of the original Top Gun. So there's some context to begin with. Top Gun Maverick is a lot like the new Star Wars movies, as in it focuses more on nostalgia before the actual story. The movie begins exactly almost shot for shot the same as the first, even using Highway to the Danger Zone once again. I almost thought I walked into a showing of the first movie by accident. Before I continue, let it be clear. Top Gun Maverick is in no way a bad movie. It's just not a great movie. In fact, I'll start with the positives first. The biggest positive I have is the aerial shots with the jets. The filming and editing seamlessly blends the practical and CGI effects that it was truly jaw-dropping. However, the stuff in the jets doesn't come very often, but when it does, it's the best part. The next positive is the characters. Tom Cruise is just as charismatic as always, and so are all the newcomers. While they aren't really as three-dimensional, they still have their own quirks and traits that make them each unique. Biggest standout is John Hamm, who brings an almost conflicted antagonist to Cruise's Maverick. Now on to the big con, the biggest strike against the movie, as mentioned before, nostalgia. I understand wanting to sell this movie to the older audience since they grew up with the original, but for the love of God, be original. There were way too many callback scenes to the original that just felt like a remake at times. And as someone who didn't grow up watching the original, these scenes still felt very pandering. 
Overall, if you really love the original, then you are absolutely going to love Top Gun Maverick. If you don't, maybe you can still get past the nostalgic bits and still have a good time. But as it stands for me, Top Gun Maverick is a fine movie with great scenes scattered throughout the film, but the focus on nostalgia makes for an incoherent movie. That's why I'm giving Top Gun Maverick three highways to the danger zone out of five. All right, old people, you want to get your thoughts in there? Uh, when you start off and you go, not a big fan of the first one, you you, you definitely bury yourself. A Come lot. in with a, with a little bit of a uh, bias yeah. towards the review. Shoulder, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, that's starting from the basement level. You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, how did you not like the first one? I, I didn't like the first one. What? Did not like it. Grant didn't like the first one, but he loved the second Ugh. I'm going to throw up. Flando. <laughs> talking about their Grant yeah, Flanders. Flanders. Former uh, I guess I employee of Main Ave Broadcasting. Yes. Should have fired him, but didn't. Yeah. That's too generous. I, I never thought it was a remake, though. It's its own thing. Well, here's Come the deal. On. To make a movie like that good, I think you need to be nostalgic. Yeah. Because that's gonna, what's going to really suck people in. They're going to enjoy it more than it was just some original story with a Top Gun tag to it. Yes. Fire Sam Honeybuns. See ya. All right, Sage, just give us the countdown. That's Derek Young from KCN Line. D.Y., you can stick around if you don't want to. I totally understand. I won't take it personally.